All right, welcome back to the Appetite for Construction podcast. Tim, I got to say, I got to thank our listeners for listening every week. Um, just means a lot to us. I got a, a message, actually, uh, fr- from a listener, and he listened Uh-oh. to one of our Friday bonus podcasts, and it was uh, he said he was changing his Alexa's name to Cornelius. So, Cornelius, because of my suggestion, yes. Yeah, so now <laughs> instead of saying Alexa, he says Cornelius. So, I don't know if you can do well, that with those, but I think it's a good I, idea. I, I, I know you can change the voice to like a Morgan Freeman voice or, oh. you know, something like that. But with a daughter that has that name, it's not a good idea to have them throughout the house. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I feel your pain. But, you know, the fun thing about that whole system is it's data driven. You see my yeah. transition here? It's yeah. very much consumer and data-driven. Yes, it is. So what, what do you think? Should we get into our, our, our guest today, our podcast? Let's get into it. All right. Let's go, Tim. We are pleased, and as we said beforehand, I'm hoping I don't screw up this name. We are pleased to introduce Donna Liquidera Carr to our Appetite for Construction podcast. (laughs) Hey, Donna, did I screw that up really bad? I'm sorry if I did. (laughs) Just a tiny bit. Liquidera Carr. Liquidera. Donna Liquidera Carr. Liquidera Carr. Donna is the Industry Insights Research Director at Dodge Data Analytics, where she provides ed- uh, editorial ed- direction for the Smart Market Report Series. For those of you that don't get it, I suggest you do. It provides a huge amount of valuable information. Uh, she also covers diverse topics as like world green building trends, the business value of building information modeling, managing risk in the construction industry, the drive toward healthier buildings, and building a safe culture and lean construction. Donna, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. You said you're uh, out in Boston area, is that right? That's correct. Well, Donna, one of the reasons I we reached out to you is I had gotten a report in the uh, old email machine a couple weeks ago, and uh it piqued my interest, I, I, and I read through it. Um, luckily, your team, I had some questions. I went back and forth with your team, and you guys had done a partnership uh, with Versatile titled Measuring What Matters, Unleashing the Power of Site Data to Enhance Construction Performance. Now, I know you guys do a lot of reports, but there's a lot of information just in that title. Can you give us a little, you know, maybe share a little bit more about um, high level of what that report was about? Sure. So um, we realized realized that uh, there's a lot of things that go on at the job site, right? There's a lot of very fundamental items that um, contractors need to keep track of. But it's often hard for them to get really good measurements of it. You know, we're always talking about productivity in the construction industry. We're always talking about safety. But the key way to improve those items 
is to actually understand what you're doing and how things, you know, on a really detailed basis. There's a lot of new technology that's being introduced into the marketplace that can help people address this. But, you know, in some ways, it doesn't matter how you address it as long as you're tracking it, right? Um, to a certain degree, that's a disingenuous statement because the study actually shows it does matter a little bit how you're doing it. But, um, you know, the, the key thing is we wanted to give the industry a real benchmark about where it is right now in terms of measuring key items about activities that go on on the job site, key measures, and uh, what, you know, what, can, what they can do to improve. I wanted to go back and just get uh, a little bit more information about Dodge Data and Analytics. How, how many people are writing reports? How, how many people are on the team? Ah, we're we're a small, very bespoke team. So we okay. have three researchers who mm-hmm. um, are help us with the surveys, writing them, programming them, keeping you know keeping us honest <laughs> so that we don't bias them, mm-hmm. things like that. As we as we develop them, uh, we work very much as a team together, both ourselves and with the people who partner with us. So you know, with Versatile, for instance, on this report, we work mm-hmm. very actively with them in the development of the questions of the survey. Then um, once they also, that that team, those team of three, they also break out the data, create the tabulations that Steve Jones and I then Mm -hmm. uh, write, take apart and write about. So it's really Steve Jones and I are the key authors. Yeah. Yeah. Tim had mentioned it's really good information. I agree. I I get the the reports and the emails. And um, I guess, you know, you'd mentioned that each, report probably takes on average of three months to create and then there's six weeks of writing so i'm 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 assuming that maybe there's three or four reports every year that come out (laughs) yeah no it's it's usually a bit more than that okay yeah we um i would say it's closer to five or six these days Um, maybe even a little bit more than that when we get very busy Uh, because we work with individual partners and that's the way we proceed. We don't have an editorial calendar, so we don't have like a nice regular schedule. We just sort of build the work as we go along on a on a project by project basis, and sometimes that leads to a lot coming out at once. Yeah. Very active fall this year. We've had like three or four reports coming out this just this fall, in addition to the ones we've released in the spring. So um, yeah. we can land up with a little a little cluster of information coming out, which I know can be a little challenging. But um, it's, it's really great work, though. Honestly, yeah. this is the best possible position to be in in the construction industry because you get to find out everything cool that's, that, that's going on with technology, with sustainability, with things like lean. Very, very interesting stuff. You mentioned working with partners. Is Do the partners reach out to you saying, hey, we've got this idea, you know, let's collaborate, or is it more you guys see a topical interest and you reach out to partners in the industry. How does that work? It can work both ways. Um, The most common way is though that we, you know, we meet partners out in the industry where Steve and I are both very active going to conferences, things like that. We land up getting into conversations with people. We realize there's a mutual interest in a topic and, uh, and that's usually what kicks it off from there. You know, the desire to really see improvements in the industry and offer data that can help the industry improve. So I heard a, a word, a couple words, Tim, that editorial calendar. That's one of our favorite terms. It is. It is. Because uh, we don't really 
abide by any editorial calendar, kind of like what you were saying. Uh, we, we, we find out what's trending in the industry. We follow, um, you know, technology pieces. Is that kind of how, you know, you're pursuing reports and stories? Some, yeah. Again, you know, often it's just what we're, what we're working on mm-hmm. with our partners. You know, we do find that there's often a clusters of interest around things too. So we, you yeah. know, um, obviously we've, we've always had a deep background in technology mm-hmm. and um, the, the, we've done a lot of technology reports, but lately a lot of our technology reports, for instance, not this particular one, but others have focused on, uh, on owners. All of a sudden there seems to be a big interest in owners and, how, and, and, you know, understanding what's going on in the job site, being able to use the data afterwards on their projects to operate their assets. You know, they're so, you know, we, we do find that we get these little clusters of, uh, of interest when topics are hot out in the industry. Well, going back to the report that we set this up for, the Measuring What Matters report, what are contractors doing maybe the top three things that contractors are doing to improve the use of site data um, on their sites, on their job sites? Yeah. So, um, you know, we actually looked at very specific measures, you know, that they're using, that they're, that they're tracking. Some of them they're tracking quite commonly, like, uh, you know, progress reporting on the project, Mm -hmm. right. Or plans versus actuals or material tracking, those are pretty common. Um, things that are less common, we only survey general contractors. So things that are less common is tracking what's going on with the trade contractors that they work with, with their trade partners. So uh, trade, you know, task efficiency by trade or the duration of equipment use by trades, we find that is less commonly done. But what's really improving site data um, is 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 a lot of the technology that's out there that's allowing them to automate the gathering of that data. That's where we really see, um, uh, and the and the, the findings were really able to demonstrate, even though it's still in the early stages for adoption of a lot of that technology. We had a big enough cohort that was actually using automation to you know like various you know. Of technologies to gather data in an automated way. And we saw them have a great deal more that they could do in terms of analysis. And once you're able to analyze the data, right, then you can make it actionable. You can do stuff that improves your projects, improves your bottom line. John and I work with manufacturing partners. Let's take for an example, a Milwaukee tool who has data that they've created for their power tool systems and you know they their contractors can utilize that data to determine battery usage and and obviously you know who gets what when where and why so i'm curious is that kind of data used for these kind of reports do you work with just the contractors or do you work with maybe the manufacturing partners that may be a part of these job sites Okay, that's a really good question because we should kind of establish sort of what our methodology is. Um, okay. Our reports are, all, all of our smart market reports are based on market research. So they're all survey based. They're really the voice of the industry coming in and, and, and saying where things are at. That does mean, I do want to clarify that, you know, there's great advantages to doing a market research survey approach, but it does mean that we are relying on people's um, perception of what they do. And we're well aware of that, but we think getting that perception out into the industry 
is really significantly important. Um, what you're talking about, that kind of hard data, is going to be critical to the industry. That's the kind of thing that we're hoping the contractors will gather. And, you know, we really see a future possibility where that kind of data, you know, when you have, say, a company like Versatile, they're not just sharing with you your data. They're sharing with you how your data benchmarks against everyone else's, right? So you no longer are trying to just gauge your productivity in a vacuum based on, you know, how close you're able to keep to schedule. You're really able to look at your productivity in comparison to other peers who are like you in the industry without having to worry, of course, about someone actually knowing what's your data versus anything else, because, you know, that's a, that's a key part. All of these, all of these, uh, these, the, the people who create these products, these tools realize that they need to anonymize the data, but the, the, the incredible power that's going to come from, from companies being able to not have to just be the sole source of their own data, but really being able to tie into a pool of data, like what you talked about with Milwaukee tool, it's going to be really incredible. Is, uh, do you think technology is the driving force, uh, for data collection or is it financial? And why do you think it's important? Um, I want to slightly answer that question a little differently than what okay. you're actually asking. Um, because, you know, it's something we haven't, we, we often survey saying, why did you do this? But a lot of the times we, 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 we were more interested in, in how it's impacting things than why they started in the first place. I think when, when, from a lot of the case studies I've done over the years, a lot of the people I've talked to, the people who've had very successful technology, uh, adoption of technology, it's never the technology itself that drives it. Mm-hmm. It is that it is always the business need. It is always what they have determined they need to accomplish. And the only way to successfully adopt technology is to go into it knowing what you want to get out of it, creating a plan, understanding what you, know, you, you will never get the outputs you need if you don't set up the systems so that they get to those outputs, Right. Because most of these systems, they're pretty flexible. They can give you any output that you want. And, you know, people only have so much time during the day. They have to be able to get to what they need to really make themselves more efficient. So it's that idea that, you know, first you figure out what you need. Then you look at what can help you get you there. And then you work with the, with the vendor to figure out exactly what it is that you wanted to tell you at the end of the day so that they can set things up in a way so that you get the kind of analysis you really need. So, you know, the driver is always a business need. Okay. If the driver is the business we need, what might be the critical assets of that business need that might be that you're seeing from the years of surveys and or report writing? What are those, you know, infinite, you know, parts of the business that might be, the key assets, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think if I answer this question differently than what you were hoping for, let me know. So, um, but you know, a lot, a lot of it bubbles up from the field. A lot of it lands up companies that really do find, and that's one thing that our this particular study pointed out. That when we ask, you know, where do you, you know, start this process from, or where do you, you know, what's driving you? To, to do more with gathering data. A lot, a lot of them said it's, you know, getting, hearing things from their supervisors and what they need, hearing things from the project managers in terms of what they need. 
Um, typically, often that often leads to success too, because it can help with adoption. It can help with the whole getting people to actually utilize the tool. Because when we also, one of the other things about what will really help encourage future adoption, future ability to gather data, a lot of it's just, will they use it? Will they, if we bring this tool in, will they actually use it? And a lot of that has to be that it has to be intuitive. It has to be easy to use. You know, construction has too short of a time frame anyway. So there's not, a, you know, these are these, these, it's not like you've got the luxury of taking two weeks out of people's time and teaching them something, how to do something. They have to be able to be able to do their job while they're learning how to do this. And I think the industry is starting to really understand every, every technology study we've done with contractors. So that's always been one of the biggest factors, even more than cost, which is surprising because, you know, contractors oh. are, are small margin businesses. They have yeah. to be very, very sensitive on costs. And uh, but even more than cost, it's just, you know, can it be something that my team can use quickly and immediately and easily? Well, I was going to say, going back to the methodology, we never really defined what were the, the, the scope, the size, of the contractors that you focused this group on? What, what was that like? Sure. So again, as I mentioned, it's just general contractors for this particular right. study, but the sizes really vary. Um, we have companies uh, that, that participate about 20% have um, a rev- annual revenues of less than 10 million, about a little bit more than that have annual revenues of a hundred million or more, and then everything in between. So um, we used our contractor panel and those are people, those are our companies that we've recruited from the Dodge database of, of contacts. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who say, you know, we've reached out to them at the whole huge outreach. And we said, hey, would you like to participate in surveys? And if you do that, we will um, pay you per survey and we will uh, have you enter this sweepstakes at the end of the day. And, you know, every year we'll give out, you know, a certain number of prizes to people who, who, who actively participate. And, you know, it's pretty standard research panel stuff, but it's okay. great because it's founded out of the Dodge data, right? These are really people we know are working on projects. Um, this isn't, you know, just, you know, drawing from DMB or anything else. This is really, you know, the, 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 the people. And we tend, we tend to get people because this is the other important question when you're looking at things like this. Who's actually answering this, right? Uh, we tend to get people who are often higher up in the company. So we get a lot of um, leadership. We get a lot of firm leadership, CEO, director level, that kind of thing. C-suite stuff. Yeah. We also get a lot and probably the biggest share is uh, project leadership, project managers, project executives. Oh. Those are the ones who are often frequently answering our question. We do get some representation from um, the field leadership, but very little. So, you know, when you're looking at some of this, bear in mind, it's more of a project manager perspective than a field perspective. Um, always that, that, I think that's always a good thing to bear in mind. We do actually also have a lot of estimators in our panel too. So we joked about this before we jumped on a little bit, but is AI going to uh, radically change the way we collect and access data? I mean, yes, but it's funny. It's not, it's, it's, uh, it's going to access what it's going to change what we can do with data. We need to change what, how, what kind of data we have before AI can help us. It's, you know, to, to, to the construction industry right now 
this report, many of our other reports demonstrate that a lot of it is still either manual means of tracking things, spreadsheets, you know, things that are almost impossible to feed back up because the data isn't isn't the same across different things. You know, it's almost it when you really get into databases, it may seem like, oh, this person's gathering this kind of data on, you know, how long something takes a, a task on the project. And this person's gathering the same thing. But if they're gathering it with spreadsheets, even within their own company, sometimes there's not the level of consistency that you need to be able to bring databases together. That is really hard. So what this means is that for the construction industry to be able to take advantage of the kind of AI tools that are emerging, we're going to need to be able to feed consistent, accurate data into those engines. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned before, the, uh, you know, the, the, the technology companies that are out there, when you, when you start using software that forces you to, 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 you know, to gather data the same way, across different projects and across different companies that allows the raw material that an AI can use to crunch, to really create the kind of insights that we're all hoping for, right? We want to have industry insights about, you know, what are, what are some good safety elements, right? You know, track how many near incidents there are track, you know, safety in other ways so that companies can even take their own data and use it to say, okay, how do we compare to our peers? You know, do, are we safer? Are we less safe? You know, do, you know, where are the risky behaviors? Where can I have coaching opportunities with my staff? Right. You know, you can't see everything. You can't know everything, but if you have say, you know, video capture that can then translate that to data, and feed it to a larger engine, you can really start doing something with this and you can base it on larger industry trends rather than this supervisor is particularly good at this and capturing this stuff. And this supervisor isn't as good at noticing these elements. You know, it, it can create a, 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 some, a, a, just a baseline that can be helpful to everyone in the industry. If you haven't heard, Navian's new NPF Hydro Furnace is on the market, and they're offering an unbelievable incentive to try it. This new furnace from Navian is 97% AFUE Ultra Low NOx, and has an industry-leading variable capacity ranging from 15 to 100%. Right now, contractors can get a $1,000 gift card when they go to NavianFurnace.com and submit their first NPF purchase info. Again, that's a $1,000 gift card. NPF purchases must be made between January 22nd and April 15th, 2024, and submitted through the form at navianfurnace.com by April 20th, 2024. See full promotion details at navianfurnace.com. Don't miss out on this great promotion. Yeah, we mentioned also when we were talking about AI that, you know, sometimes it's recognizable in, in some long form um, information that you get. Can I don't even know if you know the answer to this. It's just a general question. But do you think AI can be fooled? I mean, it depends. Again, it depends on what's. Yes, of course, 
Yeah. Um, it, but it depends on where the data sources are coming from. And I must admit, I'm not, a, you know, yeah. we're starting to get out of my area of expertise. So <laughs> I I mean, like, where, do you, where do you pull from these data sources, you know, that right. I guess, are they reliable and trust trustworthy sources? Exactly. And that's yeah. where things that, you know, like cameras, um, you know, we are, do, we've done, you've got to forgive me for going away from the study we're talking about, yeah. but we're working with Motive on a series of eBooks. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Motive, but they're the mm-hmm. ones who do the dash cams, but they're AI powered yeah. dash cams. And, you know, they've been working in the trucking industry for years. They're trying to get into the construction industry as well. And, you know, th- th- when what they find is that the data that they're getting, their AI can, you know, it's it's still the same data, right? It's just what the dash cam captures. Mm-hmm. So you could have someone who would have to spend hours and hours and hours to watch everything to even see if it's worth it. Or you could have an AI that says, hey, let me pull out the things that seem to be really important here. And, um, you know, usually the smart decision is then to have a human interface at that point to mm-hmm. kind of look through what it's pulled to make sure it truly is relevant because the AI isn't always correct at all. And then, um, but it's, you know, instead of just having all this raw data that you can do nothing with, the AI allows you to take hours and hours and hours of footage and turn it into something that people can actually say, okay, here's the, a few things to look at. Yeah, this is useless, but this and this, this is, this would be helpful to me. And, you know, and it can be, it's not just, you know, oh, and this driver's doing this bad and this driver's doing this bad. Sometimes it's just, you know, my driver got accused of um, causing an accident, but the dash cam clearly shows that they were not at fault. You know, it can be as much to protect the operators as it can be to, uh, to, 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 to suggest that they improve their driving habits. And honestly, in the end of the day, even the latter, when you, when you really feel like there's a coaching opportunity there, it's still all about protecting your drivers, right? No one, mm-hmm. no one wants to see their, their staff injured. No one mm-hmm. wants, you know, and, and we all think we're excellent drivers, right? You think you're an excellent driver? I think I'm an excellent driver. But we all, in our heart of hearts, know we could probably improve in certain areas. Sure, sure. I've actually got something on my car that determines if I'm a good driver or not. So, it collects data, and it, if if I'm a good driver this year, my insurance rates go down next year. It's a wonderful thing, and I'm sure all small businesses would benefit for something like that. So, Don, I'm curious then, are small businesses in the construction industry just as apt to use this kind of information, and it's as important to them as it would be that $100 million construction company? It is just as important to them, right? Because in the end of the day, um, and you know, studies that we've done with Trimble have, have gotten at this, this versatile study gets at this. It's about improving your processes, right? It's about understanding what you're doing and figuring out ways to make it better. That's all, you know, just give you the insights that you can't get. It's too much, you know, that's, that's where, that's where data is really useful, right? And, and, and AI and things that crunch data. And that kind of analysis, it's useful because we are very focused on incident, incident, incident. It's harder as human beings to absorb all of it and come up with the really meaningful patterns. It can give us the really meaningful patterns. And those would help anyone from, you know, uh, you know, the, the, again, you know, if someone, if I had an AI watching me write my reports, it could probably help me improve the writing of my reports if it had enough of a database of other people who are writing reports, right? The challenge, of course, with small firms is there's, 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 there's a good part and a bad part for small firms. 
the the challenge is that you know it's it, it it's resources right and sometimes it's not even resources to implement it it's the resources to figure out what the heck you need to implement you know there's so many choices it's such a big um, variety of technology out there that that can be a huge hurdle for uh, for a small firm to 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 get over on the other hand some of the studies we've done most of them have shown that you know the the bigger firms and the bigger technology users at this point able to gather more data. Um, but some of them have shown that smaller firms can in fact be somewhat more agile, that they're not, you know, right now, a lot of, of, in a lot of the technology studies we've done, it's pretty clear. A lot of companies have been using tech for years to track various, you know, project mm-hmm. progress, which, but the tools weren't really there for them. So they had to build their own. So there's all these systems that they've invested in and committed to, and they've either taken something that wasn't really built for them and tried to to adjust it to make it be built for them, or they built something of their own from scratch. And that, you know, in bigger companies, they wanted to get ahead of everything. They're really kind of already invested in all these systems that don't speak to each other and that really struggle to... um, you know, so so that you can't put together a complete picture of what's going on, right? If you're really going to use data effectively in your company, you have to be able to switch it, to, to, to be able to share it through all the various worlds, right? Not just project management. Project management needs to be, finance needs to access it. Sometimes HR could need to access it. All your different divisions need to um, be able to, 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 to really get at and utilize the data. But if you've created this system to solve this one problem, this system to solve this other problem, odds are those two systems can't speak to each other. So um, one advantage that smaller firms have is that since they haven't been able to make the the little teeny investments over the years that have led to these silos, they are sometimes in a better position to take advantage of the more comprehensive solutions that are out there. And, you know, do things that really get access to more integrated systems once they start being able to look at technology. And there's a real emphasis on integration, on data that can speak to each other, on data that can allow you to speak to the other, that that you can share with the other partners on the projects, with the general contractors, that eventually up to the owners, right? Um, that, that, That whole environment, that whole data environment needs to be created and needs to be strengthened. And small firms are actually sometimes in a better position to, to get, to get going on that. That makes sense. I, this is a strange, not a strange question, just off topic. When did data analysis, data analysis become so prevalent in our industry in the construction building trades industry? Is it just within the last 20, 25 years? Well, I can only speak to about the last 20, 25 years, maybe 30 years. So <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure. Of you. It's funny. When I thought you were going to say just in the last five years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely within the last 20, 25 years. I mean, that's been true for everyone, right? You know, it, right. It, being able to gather data on the scale. But I really think, you know, in the early around uh, between 2015 and 2020, there was a huge investment by uh, capital in creating, they, they, they thought they saw a huge opportunity to, to, to fund uh, construction technology. And construction technologies have really, you know, things for the sites, 
anything from site capture to other things. There's really just been this flood of investment in these tools. And I, you know, some of these tools don't speak to each other. We still have a long way to go. But I think that, you know, just having tools that were specifically designed for the construction industry rather than adapted from other things. I think that's helped put more of a focus on data because, again, it gets us a step closer to being able to utilize the data. Um, one other point, though, on the small firms that I did I, that I that I forgot towards the end there, but I just remembered again. If you don't mind, if I circle back around to mm -hmm. that, go ahead. Is um, also when you have some of these te this tech, like companies that, that that operate sensors on projects, cameras on projects, etc., like some of the ones we've been talking about that gather uh, data specifically. A smaller company also can benefit from that because. There's only so much data a small company is going to be able to produce, right? And an AI needs a large amount of data to crunch through. Most analytical systems in general, not just AI, need large amounts of data to crunch through. If you are part of a larger data ecosystem through your vendor, and that vendor is committed to giving you feedback from that larger ecosystem, you can benefit a lot more. You know, Turner can just look at their own projects and still draw some pretty good, you know, trends and analysis. A small you know, 20 man firm probably can't. So being able to at, you know, be part of a larger ecosystem is really important. So Dodge data and analytics and partnership with versatile, 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 <laughs> uh, measuring what matters, unleashing the power of site data to enhance construction performance is the study uh, finally, was there anything that really surprised you from the research? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I'm really surprised is probably not the right word, but there's a few things that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. um, one is that how consistent the um, findings were that there were certain things that really led to stronger use, automating the data, really being committed to the data. We knew these were going to do better. You know, we knew when we did the analysis, we were going to ask them how engaged they were with gathering the data, how frequently they gathered the data, how automated their data gathering was. But the consistency with which that yields better results, yields, you know, better able, ability to control their schedules, better safety, better profitability, all of that, you know, was really, it's not always quite that consistent. The picture isn't always quite that clear. Mm -hmm. So that was a really telling, telling point. Um, and then, you know, again, even though we know this is true, that, that so many contractors are really still relying on manual means to gather data on their projects. And, you know, and the limits that that puts on it is still such an onerous burden for them to do anything with it. You know, it's, it just creates a lot of extra administrative work for them. And then it's, it's, it's you know, so just those two things were, were, I thought that the two standout elements that, you know, the industry needs, needs a, a lot of help, but that there's a lot of potential and promise there. Well, if any of our building contracting listeners out there want to gather some more information about some of the reports that you do or subscribe, how can they do that? Well, we wish we had a subscription. Right now we don't, uh, but it's very easy to access our reports. You go to construction.com, very easy uh, website name to remember, and there's a resources tab on that. If you click on the resources tab, you might have to keep 
telling, show me more, show me more, show me more. But all of our reports are there. You fill out a simple form and everything we publish is available for free. So um, we really want it and our partners really want it to help uplift the industry. So um, we really, I, I encourage everyone to go to them and we've just barely touched the surface on this report. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully they will find it useful. A lot of very useful reports. Yeah, thank you for uh, jumping on and and uh, sharing sharing the knowledge about the report and get, you know, data gathering and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This Appetite for Construction podcast is brought to you in part by PERC, the Propane Education and Research Council. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially construction pros. It's a single clean energy source that can meet your project's performance, safety, and resilience goals while maintaining efficiency and lowering costs. See how propane can help meet your project's needs by visiting propane.com now. Propane, it's the energy for everyone.